Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Wow! Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 Um, Today, everyone, we have a very, very special episode. Uh, as you may have noticed just from the the title here, State of the Pod, um, you know, Biden likes to give State of the Unions and well, we like to give State of the Pods because it's important. That's right. That's right. To keep you, the wonderful people, updated with what's going on in the world. But uh, really quickly, the world of thanks for playing <laughs> and in general, uh, really quickly before we get into that, though, I'd like to remind you, if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast, follow, subscribe, rate, all that fun stuff. Uh, if you want to chat, shoot us an email at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Discord. Discord. And come hang on our Discord if you want to have a good time. You can find it on thanksforplaying.live, our website, the invite link to it, or as well, you can look up any of our socials at TFP Podcasts. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. That's Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Look us up on any of those and you'll find a link tree with all of our socials, YouTube, everything, and also a link to our Discords. Come hang out. It's a good time. It's where Luke and I are definitely most active um, as far as engaging with our wonderful listeners of the pod and just having a good time and chatting up with everyone. Great, man. That was a, that was a good plug. Fast, good, Thank you. efficient plug right there. I've gotten uh, pretty good at them. I, I, I do them almost every every podcast. Yeah, you're the plug guy for sure. I'm the plug guy. But I'm um, I'm, I'm excited for this one, um, Matt. You can you can kick us off on the sort of the announcement um, that we're we're hanging here uh, with the title of the episode and kind of the state of the pod. It sounds so dramatic. Uh, you can kick us off. Yeah, everyone. So uh, I, I think I think before we get into this, I need to give a little context of how Thanks for Playing started in the first place. It was around May of 2020, peak COVID, peak COVID, right? And you know, Lucas texts me, hey, you know, I've known Lucas for a while at this point, very good friend. And he's like, hey, we both like we both like games. We have somewhat similar tastes in games as far as the kind of games we like to play, single player, stuff like that. Why don't we, I don't know, start, start a, a video game podcast. Start I think, podcast. <laughs> I think it was a less detailed text messages than that i think it was literally just even like, it was literally just like me gaming <laughs> podcasts and pretty, you son of a bitch i'm in pretty much yeah i think i was just like yeah i'm down and then somehow it has magically spun into this uh, a year and a half later but something important to, to acknowledge when again like i said when we started this podcast it was peak covid season and you know other than kind of doing stuff with very, very small groups of people and very close social circles. You know, we weren't, no, no one, and Lucas and I include, we weren't really leaving doing our homes too much, nothing. right? We weren't doing much. Um, most of our social interactions and most of our just free time in general was spent doing things remotely, whether that was playing video games, watching television, you know, um, any, anything of that nature. And we had a lot more time to dedicate to things like playing games. And that's kind of where, you know, we got the idea to do two game episodes a month and then to kind of anything's possible episodes a month as well as bonus extra content uh and originally you know with covid and everything kind of shutting down the world that was those feasible two episodes was very two game episodes a month was very feasible and very doable but as the world has opened back up 
maintaining that to an episode, two game episodes a month has gotten increasingly difficult. You know, Lucas and I, while we love what we do, we love this podcast and playing games for the podcast. Uh, it's getting difficult. You know, it's, we have surprisingly, we have lives, we have relationships outside this podcast to keep up and maintain. And it takes a toll and it's getting to a point where, you know, it, it's one thing to play a game with the mindset of I'm playing this for the podcast and playing it almost with the job mindset, right? But you should still be, for the most part, enjoying a game when you're playing that. But it's getting to the point where we're not enjoying these games anymore. Even if we're able to objectively review them, we're not enjoying it's the hard. experience of playing them as much anymore. And, you know, we, we don't want to take that away from ourselves and if we continue to go down that road, you know, I think it's a very easy path. In fact, we're already there. I'd say we had a Lucas and I had a pre and like talk about this last night to burnout and creator burnout. And I, I, I know that might come as like a shock as it's not like we're a huge podcast, but regardless, the time goes in, you know, and it, yeah. it does take a lot of time out of our, our weeks and our days and our schedules. And it's gotten to the point where we're not enjoying the games themselves anymore. Right. So. And you know, the, the thing I will say to uh, on that is, you know, we we're, we're a little bit different from a game review or game analysis podcast or, or reviewer, you know, you're a typical video game reviewer doesn't usually finish a game a lot of the time. I mean, just just recently, IGN released a review on Elden Ring and the reviewer explicitly stated that they played 80 hours of the game. They didn't necessarily say that they beat it. They most likely didn't within 80 hours for those of you that have been playing the game. And they gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, it's an interesting thing, um, you know, what me and Matt have talked about on the podcast where, um, you know, you play a game, you only have so much time to play a game, you're you're under a window and you can't always give the game the attention it really deserves, especially with some of the larger games like, uh, you know, Outer Worlds, uh, Hitman 3, I don't think I gave enough time to. Um, Elden Ring, we certainly will not have given enough time to by the time we hit the studio for that. And, you know, we're trying to enjoy the games in as close of a way that our audience does. Uh, we're trying to beat the games. We're trying to give them a lot of time, explore every corner and really do it justice. Um, and what we found is, you know, when you're rushing from game to game, you play, a you know, an 80 hour AAA game. Um, you have to beat it. You have to get to the next 30 or 50 hour AAA game. Uh, you can't give both those games the, the what they deserve within a two week span of playing them. Um, and it's a hard truth that we've had to face, but um, we we faced it. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah we have a we have a plan, and and Matt Matt's going to run through it a little bit right now. Yeah, and just to expand on that a little bit more too, you know, it's like it is feasible to get through those games, but it's like at that point we're just following guides to blow through them really quickly. We've been at that point for a while, honestly, and it's well, I still think we're able to give relatively fairly good and objective reviews. It, it, it's just at the end of the day, not as quality of content is what it comes down to. And the, um, the essence of the game changes. The experience yeah, and changes. It does. It does. Because the average person that plays these games, honestly, you know, listeners of the pod, you're typically not going to be playing this in the same manner as Lucas and I are playing it for the most part. You know, when you play Hitman, you're not going to look at the guy to see the most optimal way of finishing the main storyline to kill this person. When you play that game, you're probably going to be, you know, 
playing around with it, seeing how you can get more creative. That's not something Lucas and I have the opportunity to do, you know, whether, and that'll extend to any game we do for the podcast, whether it's something as simple as a game, like a little one for a while, little one we did a while ago was 12 minutes. Like that's a relatively quick game, but like I, I needed to make sure I was finding, you know, using guides to stay on the right path. And that, that applies to everything we've done. So to help remedy right. that, um, we're, we're switching up the format a little bit. So don't worry. Don't, don't be upset. We are still doing one game episode every month. That is for sure. Um, right. We will be, and uh, I think we're going to make this a little more fun for the podcast and the listeners and everyone in the discord as well. We, we know something Lucas and I really enjoy and really cherish is how enjoyable and how much fun we have in our discord and how engaged the people that are in there are with the podcast and the listeners. You're all wonderful. And so we want to make sure we're engaging with you back. So what we'll be doing now going forward after the Elden Ring podcast is we'll be presenting a list of four or five games in the discord and allowing the listeners, you the wonderful people to vote on the game we're going to play for the podcast and right. review. And I think that'll create a very fun, interactive environment for everyone and also give Lucas and I more time to um, actually, you know, beat these games and give you thoughtful reviews back to them from, you know, from the angle of an actual gamer, an actual human, not a reviewer, like an IGN reviewer or a... <laughs> always to, always um, trying to work in the IGN. Well, no, I'm seriously like, uh, that's just the first, like, first no, game yeah, that I agree. comes to mind. But like any, you know, any any day one review for any game for the most part that comes from any game publication for the most part probably will have been, you know, a pre first day patch, which like every game has nowadays, right? Pre first day game patch, pre first day patch game, a day one patch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of a (laughs) a game they got maybe one to two weeks before release that they probably had a relative similar experience of Lucas and I of just piling through and dedicating all our time and crunching through it. Right. And for the vast majority of people, that's not how we play games. That's so right. So I, I think this is going to ultimately lead to much better, much more in-depth content. It's going to make the longevity of the pod, you know, much just more possible. Um, yeah. Like I said, Lucas and I were definitely, we were probably, <laughs> I was telling Lucas last night, this was a conversation we probably should have had three or four months ago, maybe even sooner. <laughs> right. Um, but it's good that we we finally had it. And I think we're going in a good direction. So in addition to the one uh, one game episode every month, uh, we'll also be doing, of course, our innings possibles and then two of those a month at least. And we're also probably going to be doing away with anything's possible title. I think it's about time we finally got rid of that um, and just kind of had the general titles there. Right. And then we'll also be doing an additional third episode. Uh, to, it's going to be kind of like a more like a zeitgeisty episode, like a state of the union almost of just <laughs> the gaming culture as a whole, as well as general pop culture and a little bit of what's going on in the world. You know, we might touch on certain even political topics here and there, but Lucas and I will always do our best to stay as apolitical as possible when we enter into those conversations. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't really expect us to enter into those too much. Just a little pre-warning there. That's not my goal is to turn this. I'm not Hassan Abi or Hassan Tyke or whatever his name is. I apologize. Um, uh, that's not what I want this podcast to be. Just a little, little um, disclaimer there. 
I, I agree with your disclaimer. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, what, what Matt's talking about is really more of a, a topical podcast episode. And, and that's what this episode is going to be. I know we've had a little bit of a long intro here, but, you know, what we're jumping into is a brand new format for Thanks for Playing. And, you know, I, I think that our Anything's Possible off-week episodes have been met with um, a lot of love from the audience. Um, I have friends text me that listen to, you know, the board games episode, um, listen to the Aim Assist episode and really learned a lot. Um, I had a friend, you know, text me about the Nolan Bushnell episode and was super stoked to learn about Silicon Valley and some of the early days. And those have become um, really popular uh, episodes that we've done. And I would love to refocus more on those um, in addition to our serious game review podcast episodes as well. Um, but one thing we've we've always wanted to do that we felt has been missing is, uh, you know, like, hey, this really interesting thing happened in the gaming world um, that we want to talk about. Um, this really topical thing happened with um, with this new board game that got crowdfunded or this chess player got banned from international competition. Why did that happen? Like certain interesting topics that we've always wanted to dive into. We just haven't had the correct format. So in lieu of that second game episode per month, uh, we're going to be reserving that for really a topical episode, which is what today's is. So, you know, Thanks for joining, guys, and thanks for listening. We're going to be experimenting with a new format, but hopefully you, you dig it. Yes, yes. Brand new stuff going forward. And uh, if you haven't already, you know, do check out our link trees or go to our website to find our YouTube link. Um, we are, you know, no spoilers on that quite yet, but we are going to be releasing some YouTube content in the future. Uh, we're going to be getting going here that we hope to help bring in more wonderful people into the podcast like yourselves. So... That's Keep a lookout thing. for that. Um, TBD on exactly how that's going to take shape. I think it's going to be a good bit of experimentation on mine and Lucas's and as well before you really find the exact, I guess. We're trying to get in front of the camera more. We want to be in front of the camera more. And we, you know, it's going to take a little bit of experimentation as far as exactly the kind of, you know, energy and flavor we want to bring to our, our YouTube videos. Because if you go to YouTube right now, it's just an extension of the podcast, which is fine. I think that's a great thing to have. But I don't think there's any reason we can't do more than that than we're doing right now, especially with the amount of time that'll be freed up from not having to fucking choke on Zelda Ocarina of Time <laughs> in a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not not the ideal way to play the game. And and to be clear too, you know, thanks for playing has a very clear mission. <laughs> so I brought up we brought up some some tough some tough. No, I'm just testing. I'm just in general looking back on like just thinking about all the games that I've just like shoved down my throat. <laughs> in like an untimely manner like dude when we did chrono trigger and to be fair heavy rain like this heavy rain kingdom hearts like kingdom hearts wasn't bad because i i really like those games personally and i like chrono trigger as well but god at the end of chrono trigger i was just shoving that game down my throat i was putting in like seven hour days like after my normal like nine to five job just to finish i that remember game. that yeah dude it's just due circumstances I, I had to wait to play it i remember i was playing kingdom hearts one like a year ago and <laughs> i couldn't beat riku and i was stressing out because i was like matt how the hell do i beat riku? <laughs> it was like a day before we had to record yeah, and i was like dude i thought i was at the end of the game and you were, matt was like oh yeah dude you got like one more world left and i'm like all right yeah. sick dude riku's the last boss maybe He's really not. He's really fucking hard. It took me like he was harder than any Elden Ring boss that I had to play. Um, and, you know, that's that's not that's not the way that we feel. Um, we don't feel like that's indicative of how our audience enjoys games. Um, we don't feel like that's that's typical of a normal video game player. And we want to emulate that as much as we possibly can. 
and you know, that's, I know I've already said that, but that, that is really the goal of, of this change. So yeah, I'm excited for this, this whole reformatting. Um, definitely subscribe to our YouTube to check out more of that content. Um, that we're still going to have at the centerpiece of what we do, the serious analytical edge of taking a look at video games, taking a look at video game culture with our own personal eyes and our own personal voices and getting to the root of why we hate them, why we like them, what they mean. Uh, that's what this podcast has really become. That's what it's all about. And we're going to stick with that. Yeah. And if anything, the quality of those individual episodes, honestly, is just going to go up and have greater insights at this point. There'll probably be longer episodes at this point I would expect For sure. as well. And I think it's going to be a very... I think this is a, an overall net good thing. And, you know, the important thing is, and I think Lucas was going to touch on this, is we want to make sure we're giving you good content every week. And, you know, at the end of the day, the promise for Thanks for Playing is to give you content every week. Right. And that's what we want to do. Awesome. Well, we covered that. Thank you, everybody, for still listening. Hopefully you're still tuning in and you haven't unsubscribed. Um, tell a friend, join the Discord, all that good yes. stuff. We're going to jump into our first segment here with this new format um, with our topical zeitgeisty podcast here. Um, what we're calling Release Watch, uh, TBD on the name, I suppose. But Release Watch is where me and Matt are going to talk about uh, some things that have come out or that are coming out in the very near future that we are stoked about. Okay, don't have to be video game related. It could really be anything. Um, I'll go first. Uh, brand new. Magic the Gathering sets coming out, Matt. Streets of oh. New Capenna in early April. Oh. Um, you just this, had like the cyberpunk one that came out though, right? Yeah. So, okay. Wizards of the Coast, the, the creators of Magic the Gathering are so, so good. They have their model down so well. It's like every two months they drop brand new, a brand new set with a whole new flavor. And the way they market their set, they're already dropping like lore. They just released two new cards. That's it. You know, it's just like, hey, here's one card. How's that feel? You know, here's the chapter one of the lore. Read that. How's that feel? Huh? You like that? And I'm like, yes, yes, daddy, please give me, give me more, <laughs> give me more cards. Give me more lore. And the, the new set streets of new Capenna, um, is like urban, uh, city feel. Um, it's almost like a Vegas meets New York. Uh, the city is built by angels, but now has been abandoned by those angels and is run by five demon crime families. Uh, so it's a pretty, and this is all magic. The Gathering. This is magic. The gathering. Yeah. This is their new See, world. Now, what I want to know is how long is it going to be before we get a league of legends esque, uh, type arcane style show with like, you know, magic, the gathering. Lore? They, they have actually stated that there is a magic, the gathering show coming up, um, Netflix, oh. like possibly next year or the following year. It's, Naturally. it's like confirmed. Yeah. I mean, it's only gotten bigger. Um, the lore has gotten stronger, you know, for, for those of you that don't play magic or have never played it each set takes place in its own individual universe. And like we as the players are hopping to different universes, they call them planes. So this is a brand new plane, Streets of New Capenna. Our New Capenna is the name of the plane. The whole plane is a giant city basically. And it's just kind of getting me. One, one person replied to a DM on my Instagram and um, shout out to Ethan. He said, this is the Martin Scorsese set. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> that is the best way to describe it. Super cool. So I'm stoked about that. What you got, Matt? Love that. I got a few things, actually. Uh, I, I saw the Jujutsu Kaisen movie recently, which nice. was very, very good. I think it's still currently in theaters if you all haven't seen it yet as of the time this episode will be releasing. But uh, super, super fun. Uh, very, I mean, for anyone that's watched the main Jujutsu Kaisen series, you know, 
the way I describe watching a lot of that show, at least as far as the fight scenes go, is it reminds me of watching an anime music video from like the mid 2000s when I first discovered YouTube, right? I'll never forget. I when I'm like the first, I feel like this is like one of my earliest just YouTube memories in general. It was Naruto, um, an, an Naruto AMV to Lincoln Park crawling in my skin. Nice, nice, and dude. Was <laughs> that was that was it. Was everything was Lincoln Park for some yeah. reason on that? Because yeah, there, the the <laughs> there was the energy. There was like a sick Vegeta one too. Got to dig it up of like Lincoln Park. Oh man, um, I'm forgetting the name of the song, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, we saw, and you and I, Lucas, saw this together. We saw the Batman recently, which I don't know if you've seen as oh, good well. Call. Yes. Um, there was a deleted scene that got released on YouTube, actually, with the Joker, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. The, they, yeah. Oh, well, hang on. Spoiler, spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler. Next, like, minute, I guess. But go ahead. No, not really. I mean, there's just a scene where the Joker's included. He's not originally included in the movie. And he just kind of talks about, basically, Batman goes to the joker to get like some sort of insight on the current case he's working on and it is a very you don't really get a full perfect image of the joker you kind of get separated you know at one point you see the top half of his face then at the second point you see the bottom half of his face where like his teeth are all fucked up uh, and I, it, it's interesting he looks like one of the more physically scarred jokers as far as I think it's going to be somewhat true whenever they do reveal him in the, I'm sure, inevitable Robert Pattinson Batman sequel, where this Joker fell into a vat of acid and is clearly extremely fucked up from it. Mm. That's a cool Joker. Very clear facial scarring. um, Like, very clearly, like, hair has been burned off, it looks like, on the back of their scalp, things like that. Really fucked up teeth, just really looking fucked up. And... Oh, I forget the name of the actor. No, um, but but Joker, the character was like made a cameo basically at the very end of the Batman. They did uh, when yes, when yes. the Riddler was um, imprisoned. So yes. was that the same actor? That I they, that believe. They yeah, it was the okay. same actor. It's Barry. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Barry Keegan, Kogan, Keogan. He recently played. Um, he was in Dunkirk. He recently oh, played. He was in Eternals, a Marvel movie recently. He played oh, Druig, okay. if you saw that. So recently two super, was in, two superhero movies. Yeah, so I, I actually, I mean, it was only like a you know five minute scene of a chat, like a one on one conversation with Batman. But I check that out. I now. thought it was a, I thought it was a good scene. I, I really liked his Joker laugh. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see where things go if he does choose to engage in that. Um, and they choose to bring that character out in the future. And then as well, Attack on Titan, the final episode of season four, part two, is going to be releasing here uh, this coming Sunday. The which, series finale. Series finale and spoilers ensuing the next 30 seconds. Unless they're doing an anime only original ending, that is not the series finale. <laughs> so they're going to be doing a movie continuation which is interesting um, oh because they're not at the very ending part then i'm assuming okay. that's what they're doing i'm not caught up been announced yet but i almost uh, we can kind of get this a little bit later i think it's kind of problematic honestly in a sense it's kind of like to do a movie long not problematic but i don't know I, it almost feels like a middle finger to <laughs> the uh to the audience because i mean you have attack on titan Final season, part one. Then you wait six months, eight months, ten yeah. months, whatever it was. Then you have Attack on Titan, final season, part two. 
and then they're squeezing it as much as they can they're milking it as much as they can and then you're gonna have um you know in however long that is probably another six to ten months you're gonna have the attack on titan movie which is probably gonna come out i'm guessing and for who knew maybe they'll make that part one part two even right maybe yeah and there'll be like a video game in the meantime like that chibi series that they have is like gonna keep like keep its popularity going a little bit you know yeah. I, I think the the tough part for me or like one of the annoying parts for me this is my this is my super hot like manga anime take and this is coming from like a way more of a casual fan than than you or some of our other listeners is like you know the the manga i i like reading like like manga a lot you know i really like reading like i like looking at stills i like soaking in artwork i love like you know I, i've mentioned this before how i love like the one punch man manga and i feel like there's even parts of it that are better than the anime and i feel like a lot of people view the anime as the final say of like a thing where they're like oh yeah it'll be here's the anime only ending it'll save it or it'll make it better that's like devaluing what the manga the manga should be good too or should be viewed as good in and of its own right it's a different medium it's a different thing mm -hmm. it's not just source material for the penultimate anime right which is like a massive overinflated marketed machine right it's like no, like the one the the ending that we got, we didn't like. I didn't like it. So like I so it can't it, there's this narrative of it being saved by like the anime only thing. I don't know. I feel like it, I don't think they're doing an anime only ending though unless uh, I'd be very surprised if they were. But very curious to see how they choose to do all of that. Yeah. I should catch up on the anime. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's Honestly, better. Honestly, the last episode uh, was sick. I will say I watched it. The animation was extremely good. Very good action. And all I'm going to say is I'm a flock stan. Flock. <laughs> uh, just fighting for Eldia. You know, but I do like the enough. memes. The, I'm glad that like now that the anime is around, like you're sending me these great videos and like screenshots of stuff. And like so many there was ones. there was a good amount of that when the manga was really in its run. Uh, and it was like, OK, this is a funny meme on Titan Folk. Like, this is good. OK, this is another good one. But like now it's kind of reached its its apex for sure. Now that like more mainstream audiences is, is oh, watching. So it's great. It's definitely the most mainstream anime right now, I would say. It has been. I feel like it's yeah. like a lot of people that don't even really watch all that much anime. They, they pay attention and watch Attack on Titan for sure. Um, yeah. And then moving on, we also have Moon Knight coming out pretty soon here, which I'm actually pretty excited for. I've kind of fallen out of love with um, Marvel recently. I, I mean, I loved Sp Spider-Man. I loved Spider-Man. Um, I don't know if it was in No, no Way, Way Home. Home. I loved that movie. I'm not sure it was a good movie, but this nostalgia factor got me. <laughs> um, there's just no way around that. Uh, I loved I loved that movie for that reason. I didn't care for some of the more recent, uh, what's the word, their Disney Plus series. I thought Falcon and the Winter Soldier was very okay. Did you like Eternals? Um, I didn't really enjoy Eternals that much as a movie. Most people uh, I didn't even. I'll, I'll probably watch it eventually when I have like a free Friday night, Saturday night. I'll probably eventually watch the Hawkeye series. I forgot about that one, dude. Right? Oh my yeah, God, poor wow. Hawkeye, man. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I will probably eventually watch that, but Moon Knight looks like a very interesting direction for Marvel. Maybe a little bit darker. So I'm very optimistic that, that will kind of take things in a very, you know not take things in a different path per se, but offer a different tone to the Marvel universe than we've gotten before. And, you know, I mean, we do have 
Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I'm like, I'm 90% sure if I remember correctly, that is being directed by Sam Raimi. Nice. Love Sam Raimi. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that That comes out in May 6th. So actually not even, you know, not even two months, like a month and a couple weeks that'll be out. So very excited for that. And then last thing I have to mention just for everyone, because I care too much about it. The U.S. men's yes. national team is all but qualified for the World Cup. Uh, I, I, I don't bring this up too often in the Discord, but I am a massive soccer fan, particularly. I love, love, love following the international team. Um, so much fun. Lucas and I went to a super sick watch party up in Highland Park. Ooh, it was on, awesome. On a, yeah, on what Thursday, was that? last Thursday. Sunday. No, it was Thursday last week. Last week, Thursday, we went to. Super fun, super good time. US um, Mexico, free baby. food, free drinks. Not sponsored, but man, shout out to Paramount Plus. That yeah, was no event. free sponsorships, but yeah. Paramount Plus is the best. They threw a free yeah. party that we signed up for and got to watch a uh, US Mexico match. Open uh, bar, open free bar. tacos, free I had like, hot dogs. I had like six, six modelos maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> sick. It was, it was, so it was sick. awesome. Uh, the internet <laughs> in the venue went out uh, at a certain point. Oh my gosh, and like yeah. the guys had to hotspot the Apple TV that was feeding into like three projectors. They had to hotspot the Apple TV to their phone hotspot and it worked and the whole venue like was cheering. It was amazing. Uh, I've never chanted USA, USA in my life. And that was amazing. I, I felt so proud to be an American for the first time. <laughs> you know, that was that was really fun too, because I think typically when you go to a watch party, you probably expect it to be pretty one-sided. But I mean, we live in LA and obviously LA has a very heavy uh, large Mexican population. That's right. And it was almost like a match, like venue environment where... You know, half the people were there were supporting U.S. and half the people there were supporting Mexico. And we just kind of like got to keep chanting at each other. It was super like cordial. No one was a dick about it or anything and no one was aggressive, but just super fun banter back and forth between the fans. Love it. Love it. Awesome time. For an um, open bar, I'm su- I'm pretty surprised. There was like no I know. I was kind of wondering if anything was going to happen, but it <laughs> was really cool. And everyone was, well, shit talking doing it tastefully. So yes. That was, that was ta- tasteful shit talking of the best yeah. kind for sure. But yeah. Love it. But yeah. So us tied Mexico zero zero that day. And then we just beat Panama five one last week, Sunday. And then tomorrow, uh, the 20, the 30th of March on Wednesday, we are playing Costa Rica and we are all, but mathematically qualified for the world cup at this point. We'd have to lose to Costa Rica because of goal differential. We'd have to lose six zero to not be guaranteed a spot to the world cup. And that's not going to happen. We haven't lost six zero to anyone since 1970. Um, even if that did <laughs> like somehow happen, yeah. <laughs> we know when that happened. <laughs> it was a, a friendly against France in the seventies. I forget exactly when, but <laughs> not, um, I'm not sure where I was like going, but God forbid that does somehow happen. We are at the very least guaranteed a fourth place, uh, playoff awesome. spot against who the, Qual- that who against the equivalent of that position in the Oceania region, which will in all likelihood be New Zealand. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we can beat New Zealand, but again, we got him. I, I don't expect us for us to even be in that situation. So much would have to go wrong. Literally our, our players would just have to not try. I'm pretty sure. I, there's, I don't see any situation where we lose six air to Costa Rica. So it's exciting I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm becoming a soccer guy. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. Pulisic. Yeah, Pulisic. Pepe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pepe, yeah. Reina. Reina? 
right? Jesus, <laughs> Paul. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting the names. Now. I'm just gonna like start yelling names of of soccer players on the U.S. team that I know to soccer guys, and it's gonna it's I'm gonna make friends with them pretty instantaneously. Honestly, well, at the at the pubs here in LA, and, and you know what's great too about soccer as well, international soccer is. You know, whatever country you're rooting for, it's very, you know, whether that's U.S., Mexico, or another country, it's very easy to get, you know, you don't have to live in a city to root for the U.S., right? It's just you're you're an American. I do like that about soccer, um, Or you're a Mexico fan. You're Mexican, right? Like, it's a very easy national identity thing to get tied to, and it makes it very easy to get excited about, makes it very easy to follow, and makes it very fun. So, I highly recommend, if anyone hasn't checked out a U.S. men's national soccer team game, you do. All right. Love it. Uh, cool. So I think that's uh, that wraps up release watch here. Oh, last thing I got real quick. Uh, baseball's back in two weeks. Uh, going to a game April 16th. I already bought the tickets the day that they went on sale. Uh, super, super stoked for my boys in blue to come back. We got a killer lineup. Got a new player, Freddie Freeman at first base. Uh, very excited. So just wanted to kind of bring that up for release watch. Something I'm really stoked about um go dodgers go, go dodgers uh okay so moving on to our next section here we're, we're keeping a loosely structured format um here for this uh, zeitgeisty episode uh we're, we what me and matt have done here is uh, we have prepared two brand new fresh off the press news stories from you know the past few days uh we're gonna just kind of be telling them to each other and giving them us giving us a little bit of detail so we'll be telling each other these headlines uh and thereby telling everybody here these headlines these could be things that are pretty big that have happened or some small things that you may have missed. So I'll go ahead and kick us off, Matt. Um, I brought it up earlier, the chess banning of Sergei Karjakin. I am probably mispronouncing that name. It is a Russian name, Russian, Ukrainian, Crimean name. It's a little unclear. Um, this chess player, Sergei Karjakin, is born in Crimea, has played for Ukraine in the past, as an international test comp- chess competitor and started playing for Russia in 2009. He has been banned from the Ooh. International Chess Federation tournaments for six months for, you guessed it, Russian or anti-Ukrainian sentiment on Twitter. Um, very clear cut, <laughs> really, really <laughs> bad stuff, um, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we not have great. explicitly uh, condemned the actions that are going on between Russia and Ukraine, but I'll condemn them now. I'll do it. Um, don't agree with them. Uh, don't think that Ukraine should be getting invaded right now through this, quote, special military operation that Vladimir Putin's doing. It's wrong. Um, a lot of people are dying. It's a bad thing. Um, I'll say Lucas speaks for me on this matter as well. Great. Thank you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Sergey Karchenkin, I just scrolled through his Twitter for a little while, and I'm pretty blown away by just the stuff that he's been saying. I mean, I'm just going to read off a few highlights here. The one that really got him banned, um, and this is coming from like the International Chess Federation's like ethics code. So if you're playing as a Russian competitor, or sorry, as an international chess competitor anywhere, there is a code of ethics that you have to follow. And it is to protect the actual legitimacy of the bodying, like of the body, which is the the FIDE, the Federation, right? So 
there's obviously an ethics clause. This is normal in a lot of competitive arenas, in a lot of sports. A lot of teams have an ethics clause when players sign contracts for teams. It's to protect the reputation of the body, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Sergey Karjankin violates this ethics clause by saying, tweet number one is March 10th, tweet number one of two. Many people ask if I regret my public support of the special operation, question mark. After all, I've already lost invitations to Western... You know what's the problem? He's calling it a special, special operation. That's already <laughs> problem number one. Yeah. He says, after all, I have already lost invitations to Western tournaments and may lose an invitation to the candidates tournament. Tweet number two. My answer is simple. I am on the side of Russia and my president. No matter what happens, I will support my country in any situation without thinking for a second. This little tweet on March 10th got this dude banned uh, for six months. It's not a long ban. Um, you know, Russia was supposed to host. And to be clear, I did a little bit of digging down the rabbit hole. Um, the International Chess Federation is actually heavily Russian in terms of like the, the governing officials for that body really? um, are, are more Russian than any other nationality. Um, Russia is set to host a large tournament internationally in July that has actually been postponed or canceled from what I saw. So uh, Sergey um, is really not going to play in that one either. He's not playing in any tournaments here sanctioned by, by that governing body. And the tweets that he's been tweeting are just out of control. Um, and especially the things that he has been retweeting. He's been retweeting a lot of war videos, really sensitive content content um that you know i don't want to see on my timeline um pretty horrific stuff here's a retweet that he had that he retweeted on march 23rd ukraine is not a democracy Zelensky's not a hero nato are not the good guys couldn't be more clear cut than that good take yeah. um got another one for you <laughs> another thing he um he retweeted here this was 15 hours ago Zelensky has $1.4 billion, more than Will Smith, Chris Rock, and Dave Chappelle combined. We are to believe that he made that as a comedian in the poorest nation in Europe. <laughs> Just the hottest take I've ever heard in my life. Somehow worked in the topical Will What's Smith, this guy's Chris name Rock. again? This is Sergei Karjankin. Um, well, um, we are banning him from the podcast. He is banned. He's not yeah. coming on this podcast. Um, official standing disinvitation from us. I got one more. Uh, this is a retweet that he had. Uh, this was actually originally tweeted by Sarah Abdallah uh, on March 20th. 19 years ago today, the US and UK invaded Iraq. Over a million killed, millions more made refugees, worse birth defects and cancer rates than Hiroshima, one of the biggest war crimes of this century yet no calls for sanctions and the war criminals responsible are walking free. Now, I'm not saying, the, I don't know why the US and the UK are catching strays in these hot takes. There's no need. I, I think it's a, they're just doing the false equivalency thing where, okay, let's just talk about the US for a second of what happened yeah. like 19 years ago. And then let's just talk about these, like how I guess Russia shouldn't be getting sanctions because the U.S. did this thing 19 years ago. Just and to be sure, you up. know, to be sure, we're not condoning anything the U.S. has done in the past per se. Oh, definitely not. With with that in mind, but just because we someone wasn't punished in the past doesn't mean we shouldn't punish someone today. Yeah, I'm. I I, I guess I haven't seen what's was the thing that's really blown me away is I haven't seen pro Russia Twitter before. Um. 
and it's really it's really crazy to me um i mean there's a lot of people and these tweets have a lot of retweets and a lot of likes of people that are agreeing with these sort of takes that people are throwing out here pro-russia anti-ukraine really shitting on Zelensky. Um, and it's so against the narrative that I understand and that I believe, truly believe, uh, and I, I, this man is, is really out here, um, 70 K followers spreading all this around, um, well-respected chess player. So anyway, there's been a lot of takes on, on the ban. Um, there's been several pro chess players that have said that he should still be able to play because these things should be separated. The player versus the player's opinions, um, that's that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation i think um that uh requires a lot of nuance um and you know can require yeah, a lot of specificity I, but matt i know you got i know you got something to say about that one well i mean it's just interesting i mean i think this is a more unique situation where this person's very clearly giving out pro-ukrainian anti excuse me pro, pro anti-ukrainian pro-russian rhetoric that's one one thing, and I can understand the kind of response that comes from that. I'm not sure whether it's just a, I'm not sure if whether it's right or wrong to ban someone from their sport per se. But what I, I, I do think is interesting topic and kind of a dark, not dark, a deep rabbit hole to get into is, you know, how much should we be punishing the average Russian, right, for, if at all, for what Putin's doing, you know, and for right. this war he's waging, you know, I, I don't have the tweet on hand, unfortunately, but I saw a thread a little while ago when, um, the PayPal sanctions in particular really started coming down and a lot of some other, um, like sanctions, even by Twitch with how they're letting streamers interact with their platform in Russia, where, um, you know, it was just this Russian, Russian girl, probably minor your age, Lucas, and you know, her whole livelihood is on Twitch and, I was scrolling through her account and for all intents and purposes, from what I could tell, she's very anti, you know, Putin and anti-war as probably a lot of young people in Russia are honestly, you know, especially people that have access to the information, right? Um, you know, we're in the information age, you know, it's not like, I mean, I think he can to an extent like block out social media, but for the most part, most of these people do have access to other information elsewhere. So it's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, we're punishing these people that are very clearly not for the war in Russia. And ultimately, it may not even be very effective because obviously, you know, the reason we're doing these sanctions is to apply pressure to Putin to stop, right? Right. And hitting them with sanctions that affect the average person like this where they lose their only source of income, which is maybe Twitch or some other, you know, something other like that. Applying sanctions where they lose that is not the maybe optimal way to apply pressure to Putin, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I don't think a, a leader like Vladimir Putin or really at this point, any leader that would wage this kind of war is ultimately going to be that concerned with the common person in their country and is going to be that concerned with how they're doing as an individual. Right. Because I think the end, what the goal is, is, Oh, we're going to apply, make all these normal, normal people's lives hell. And then they're going to give Putin shit and Putin's going to stop. I don't think that's going to happen that way. Right. Putin is obviously a very stubborn, stubborn individual and not a good human. So it, I just wonder if it's maybe not the best way to go about it. And if ultimately punishing the average Russian, that's probably anti-war anti-Putin. If that's the best thing to do. I don't, and you know, I'm not, 
saying I'm right or wrong on that. I'd love to hear anyone else's takes on this. Yep. Um, but it's an interesting thing to get into, I think. You know, it's the worst is like there's like Russian immigrants living in America and like there's been instances where like they've been assaulted or insult insulted or like made to feel like shit because I mean it's terrible right <laughs> you would have seen the same thing during like after 9-11 with anyone from the Middle East living yeah in that's yeah that's just the word that that like kind of breaks my heart you know when it's like this person who's just not even literally in Russia is like yeah, a, a United States immigrant is like getting getting shit on for that so yeah it's, I, I agree with you it's like the average Russian is getting you know a, a big brunt of of negative like a negative energy just because like somebody in a foreign power has like kind of been pulling off this quote special military operation right it's like not great we said we wouldn't get political on the podcast our apologies but you know <laughs> and i wanted <laughs> to get topic. that prereq because i knew we were going to lightly touch on this and i don't know i mean I, i'm not believe what you want to believe and everyone's to the right their own has the right to have their own opinion but i think discourse about things like this is interesting honestly i don't think there's anything political about disagreeing with putin <laughs> yeah. well you'd be surprised so, man i mean there yeah. there may we may we may get an angry email uh of somebody that's like what the hell like you've banned Karjenkin from the podcast like how dare you it's like yeah. yeah i'm sure sure he was gonna get on thanks for playing pretty soon yeah but to bring it on to a lighter note um let's hear you i don't know if we even touched on this yet which is kind of crazy uh chris rock got the it got got smacked the shit out of <laughs> by Will Smith just smacked the Will shit Smith out of me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What uh what happened there, Lucas? <laughs> okay, I I got it. So um there's crazy conspiracy theories that it's fake. Uh and <laughs> my favorite, Matt sent me earlier, uh there is this meme that he sent me of just like basically just this whole thing is a big liberal like mind control conspiracy theory. Yeah. yeah. Um because somehow that makes sense uh <laughs> fake an oscars prank first off not fake 100 percent real uh will smith and chris rock both have nothing to gain from a stunt like this it's just a crazy thing that has happened uh will smith has already issued his apology chris rock has already decided he's not going to press charges my favorite was the lapd releases a statement that says we are aware of the situation uh, we, it's like, yeah, you're aware, yeah. You're, you're aware of the situation that we all saw on live television. Thank you, LAPD. Um, I, I, I think it's wild. It's one of the craziest thing that's ever happened, um, on television. I don't care what anybody says that one of the craziest things that's ever happened on television, certainly a generational moment for us where we can look back and go like, yes, we remember that, um, endless onslaught of memes for obviously, uh, my take on it. Uh, if you're asking me is like, you know, zoom out for a second and think about just the absurdity of it all, right? There's people out on Twitter saying arrest Will Smith and there's people on the opposite end saying, hell yeah, Will Smith defended his woman. That's how a man should be. Both those things are insane. Um, those are extremes of both, um, both the situation here. I, Will Smith smacked chris rock for real in front of <laughs> the biggest stage in the world yeah. it's insane um that's my take that's it's my a take. bizarre reaction too because i mean if anyone hasn't heard of it by now um will smith excuse me uh chris rock cracked a joke about will smith's wife 
uh, what's his wife's name? Jada. Jada. Smith. Jada. Pinkett Jada. Smith. Jada Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. Where uh, Jada suffers from alopecia. I believe that's what it's called, which is basically where you just start losing. Can't uh, grow hair. This is a gross oversimplification where you can't grow hair uh, on parts of your body. I'm not sure if it always affects the whole body or not, but that's the very, very layman's description of it. Uh, made a cracky joke about that, referring to how he can't wait to see her in like a G.I. Jane movie or something like that. And it was weird because at first you see Will Smith just kind of laughing it off. Ha 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 ha. You know, the camera's like, focused on him right away. Jada doesn't look like that happy, but I wouldn't say she looks like visibly pissed off either. Um, But yeah, Will Smith is like, Oh, you. And then all of a sudden, you know, it pans pans back to Chris Rock. He's getting ready to segue into his next segment. And, you know, he just sees, he sees Will Smith coming up on him. He says, Oh, here we go. (laughs) He literally literally (laughs) says that dude. It's he's awesome. trying to, and I mean, I, we're Lucas and I have at this point theorized, and we're assuming that Richard is probably whoever is the man in his ear on the producer or woman in the, and the, his ear on the producer side, trying to like, you know, keep things, some sort of stage manager, like some sort of stage Chris manager, Rock is yeah. like, is this part? Is this it? Is, yeah, like, is this part yeah. of it? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Will Smith comes up as an open pond smack to Chris Rock's face and walks off looking all he you know what's i love too he walks off with like a bit of swagger yeah he does he, he looks he proud good. after he did he, he looked good after he walked off yeah it's a good open palm hit and chris rock is just like he his, his response is huh, will smith just smacked the shit out of me and then you have will smith twice repeats you know keep uh, my I believe wife's his words name were, out your uh, fucking fuck. mouth yeah yeah from and like then way chris back here. rock yeah Chris Rock tries to say, like, hey, man, it was, it was a, joke, a G.I. Jane, <laughs> Jane joke. joke. But which, you know, Will Smith doesn't have any of it. <laughs> and, you know, Chris Rock has the moment where he, I think he wants to go off. You know, he says, I know, man, I could. And then he kind of like, I, that's my favorite for a minute. That's my favorite <laughs> moment of the whole incident is Chris Rock actually choosing to hold back. You yeah, can he, see it. You can see he looks to hit over to his, you know, whoever's produce, whatever stage manager producers on the side off screen. And he just kind of continues and he said, oh, well, this is the greatest night in television history. Yeah. <laughs> you know, great composure by Chris Rock. And, you know, at, at, at first, I'm not going to lie. I was actually like, oh, fuck yeah, Will Smith. But then I thought about it a little bit more. And after I talked to you about it, Lucas, and it is such a, I mean, I don't want to call it an overreaction per se because you shouldn't it's very reasonable bill to be upset that someone made a joke about your wife's disease you can can be upset but you shouldn't on live television where you know you're in a situation with a comedian where their job is to make these kind of jokes um you probably shouldn't go up and smack them on live television like so that. You know, right. if you want to have words with them after the fact or throw hands after the fact, you know, by all means, you're prerogative. But I, I guess I just think it was a bit of a heat of the moment thing from Will Smith. Um, yeah, I mean, he apologized. You know, Chris Rock's not pressing any charges, which is good. Um, <laughs> uh, he'd, it would be ridiculous if he'd... Honestly, it would be kind of crazy if he did. Um, yeah. I, guess, so, I know he's within his right to, but it just wouldn't... He's going to make more money 
making the stand up special after this anyway, which is what everybody's saying. He is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in good shape. I mean, I think what it comes down to is like, do we as a culture want to say, yeah, violence is great. Like, no, like there are situations where violence is okay. Um, I, I'm not ready to make that claim. Um, I, I don't think that we should, should be making that claim. Uh, violence is never the answer. It's just not right to hit somebody for words that somebody said. Um, there, there are words that Will Smith could have said back that would have been stronger, better, um, you know, more, uh, kind of a higher, we always talk about wanting to take the high road and he could have taken the high road, but he didn't. Um, and in fact, you know, he won best actor, but we didn't yeah. talk about that first. You know, um, it was a, it was a, it was a bad joke. There's 80% of the jokes at the Oscars are bad jokes. Like I hardly laugh at those Oscar jokes <laughs> anyway. And like the opening monologue sometimes is pretty cringe. And here we are like acting like this joke has so much weight. Um, and it has no more weight than any other bad joke that there's been way worse things said, um, in bigger audiences with bigger stakes, uh, that are way, that are way harsher. Um, and you know, the funny thing now is like people, <laughs> you know, somebody brought up like Will Smith making fun of some bald guy with alopecia on like the Arsenio Hall, so Hall show back in the nineties. And it's like, this is just getting it. It's now raising like all these things from Will Smith's past that are not going to be good, you know, like, yeah. and is, is, you know, Jaden Smith had a tweet afterwards that was like, that's how we do it. That was the tweet. And it was like, Jesus, okay, yeah. Like another kid who's probably never been in a fight condoning violence. You know, it's like, yeah, not, none of this is okay. Um, and I think the overwhelming majority of takes I've seen, this could just be my bubble, is that this was not the right reaction. He's an out of touch dude that overreacted and he clearly has some sort of mental thing going on. Um, because he's talked about being a vessel for love during his acceptance speech. Pretty crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy. Yeah, pretty nutty. And that was a very interesting notification yeah. to get on my phone. It was, it was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Lucas, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about the PlayStation Plus. I, I do, I do. Um, all right, moving on to our next topic here uh, for, for our topical episode. Um PlayStation, here's the headline, guys. All new PlayStation Plus launches in June with 700 plus games and more value than ever. Uh, I'm taking this headline and the content I'm talking about here straight from the horse's mouth. Um, went straight to PlayStation.com to read the blog post myself. Um, obviously, there's a ton of publications that have it at this point. But here's the gist, okay? Sony is finally launching a true competitor to Microsoft Game Pass. Uh, which is an incredible game subscription model that Microsoft has pioneered. I've been a gr I've been hugely a champion of it in the past for this podcast. I've played a ton of the games for the pod using Game Pass, and finally, PlayStation's doing it. Uh, basically, we got three levels of this here Game Pass or PlayStation Plus: PlayStation Plus Essential, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. Each is coming with a variety of different options. PlayStation Plus Essential is what we have now. Okay, so if you currently have a PlayStation and you have PlayStation Plus, you get two monthly downloadable games, discounts, which is the same thing that Game Pass offers, cloud storage for save games, which is pretty normal, and access to online multiplayer. Okay, so if you're trying to play multiplayer Elden Ring, take down Margit, you're going to need PlayStation Plus Essential at the moment. Okay, that is currently $10 per month. 
PlayStation Plus Extra is an additional tier, which adds a catalog of 400 enjoy most enjoyable ps literally verbatim what it says 400 the most enjoyable ps4 and ps5 games very subjective to say most enjoyable who knows what they'll have there uh, i think they've said they're going to include things to start such as you know god of war returnals spider-man yes which i'm slightly annoyed at because i already own we already bought it Returnal right. and Spider-Man, I digress. And, and, and they're going to do, um, you know, here's what they say, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Uh, and games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. That's going to come at a price of $14.99 per month. Uh, you could play quarterly for 40 bucks, save yourself like 20 bucks there, or pay yearly for 100 bucks. going to save yourself a little bit of money there as well. So, um, you know... Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, 400 games. We don't have a list of the games. So I'm really, uh, I think the biggest concern I'm seeing from people is, you know, okay, well, where are the 400 games? You're saying blockbuster hits from a PlayStation Studios catalog and third party partners. Does that mean we get God of War, which we already own? Are we now going to get that on Game Pass? Yeah. Or whatever? I, I think Probably it's interesting Pass. too, because they don't really speak of how it's going to rotate. Right. You know, is that going to be a static list? What kind of rotation will we see? It'll be a monthly, quarterly, yearly. Uh, that, there's a lot to be said about that. But, you know, while I think probably a lot of the people will, that own a PlayStation at this point will already own a lot of the games that, you know, are going to be released with this. Yeah. The really, the really popular games. This is really cool for someone that, you know, doesn't have a PS4 or a PS5 yet and hasn't had the opportunity to play any of these really exciting games, you know, um, that's going to, I mean, it's the same thing as a game pass. There's going to be so much value to that. And honestly, I mean, the PS4 has an incredible library as does the PS5 beginning to build a, a good library. So that's really exciting for everyone that falls into that court category. And I, I think, it, yeah, I'm really curious to see like, you know, how are they going to, you know, I mean, I think one of the great things about Game Pass is you can play a lot of really popular first party games that come out day one, right? On Game Pass. Right. Um, is there going to be, you know, is that going to be happening on PlayStation Plus as well? It doesn't really explicitly say that from what I can tell. Yeah. So PlayStation's Jim Ryan, um, you know, president of, of uh, Jim Ryan, PlayStation CEO, um, actually made a comment most recently. This article um, came out not too long ago talking about that that sort of thing. And basically, it's like unless the game has a, a a cash shop model or an in-app purchase model with microtransactions, if it goes to Game Pass or a game subscription service first, it's it's not going to make as much money as if it went like full market and just sold for sixty bucks. Mm -hmm. um, you know that makes sense, right? Like the model is if you have microtransactions, the, the give the game for free through the subscriptions free quote through the subscription service, and let people just kind of let the whales just get in there at a low barrier to entry and just start paying a bunch of money. Um, so I understand that, but if you launch like Elden Ring on this or God of War, how is that gonna come across? You know, are, are those studios just gonna kind of lose money? Now Now Sony has to pay a large sum to those studios to make up for the cost. It's gonna be a little bit of an interesting thing. Um, you know, we had an example like MLB The Show, which big AAA game came out on Xbox Game Pass last year, free to play. Um, and you know, a bunch of people played that game. That's great. You know, how much money did it make? I don't really know yet. Um, or, you know, who knows if we, if we have access to those numbers, but it's, uh, it, 
it is not as clear cut as give the gamers the game, right? It yeah. is definitely, a, it's a business. They have to make money somehow. And we got to think about what all that is. Um, all right. So PlayStation Plus Premium. This is the third tier. Um, it's going to come in at a whopping $18 a month, $50 quarterly, and $120 yearly. Um, so, you know, a little bit pricier than the other models, um, definitely less than, than what you'd be paying for the games that you're getting. Um, all the benefits of the other tiers, plus an additional 340 games, including PS3 games, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PSP games as well. I think uh, the PSP thing is pretty cool. I wonder if that would be PSP Vita. That'd be interesting. That's cool. But I think that's really cool because, you know, I feel like for a lot of people, PSP games are probably a bit of a lost generation as far as accessibility. It's probably going to be, you know, pricey to get your hands on these games or just hard to find them at the very least, as well as harder to find and access, um, you know, just PSP in general. I agree. Yeah. So, I, you know, anything that makes games more accessible, I'm all for it. We're for it. Uh, the the thing that I heard a lot of complaints about, uh, and this was this was kind of a shame, but um, you know, I, I went to the PlayStation subreddit, went to the main um, post for this news, and people were really upset about the PS3 game stuff. So the the big caveat with this is PS3 games will be available only via cloud streaming, um, and this is apparently because oh. you know the, the PS3 has really difficult emulation problems. And it's been an ongoing problem for a little while. It's very difficult to emulate PS3 games because the PS3 had very specific hardware and processors that they used that when people develop games on PS3, they actually had to follow a very specific like guideline to develop those games. So when you emulate those games, you sort of have to emulate the hardware in a way, um, and it just becomes very difficult. So unless the hardware on your PS5 that's running PlayStation Plus Premium has the same hardware as PS3, you're not going to be able to play those games unless you cloud streamed them. Uh, so that's a big problem. However, I will caveat this by saying um, there's not a bunch of PS3 games that like I need to play. I'm looking at I looked at a list of like, oh, what were the great PS3 games from back in the day? On the list, Journey, Dark Souls, God of War 3, Metal Gear Solid 4, Grand Theft Auto 5, Portal 2, Fallout New Vegas, Bioshock, Massive. All these games have been released on other platforms that are more accessible than PlayStation Plus Premium. And they're probably cheaper to just buy on Steam if you have that. Yeah. Um, Grand Theft Auto 5 is on this list. Grand Theft Auto 5 came out on the PS3. Like, I do not need to worry about playing that game through cloud streaming via the PS3 emulation that's going to exist here. Um, even like Last of Us, uh, Uncharted 2, Red Dead, like a lot of these games have had re-releases on the next generation. Um, you could probably buy them used very easily, you could buy them on Steam, and it's just really not going to be as big of a problem, I think, um, as people are making out to be. Now, PlayStation and PS2 games kind of bringing those classic options back is pretty cool. I mean, it'd be cool for me to jump into Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy Jack and Daxter. IX, Jack and Daxter, which we've talked about on the podcast before. The very first God of War, I would love to jump back and play. Prince of Persia, Prince of Persia 2 would be cool to play on PS2. Um, I'd love it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked on all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I just want to point out a lot of the negativity I saw, at least on the main Reddit post had to do with that cloud streaming, which I, I really feel is a non-starter just because we're going to be able to play those games. We've already been playing those games <laughs> that came out on PS3. 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the long run, you know. But uh, I mean, ultimately, I'm, I'm excited for everything PlayStation's doing here. I think this is something these should have probably came out with about a year ago. Absolutely. <laughs> the, Two they years feel ago. Very, I f- how long has Game Pass been a thing? Uh, I want to say they like soft launched it at one point and they've really pushed it in the last couple of years. But, you know, maybe five, six years, uh, you know, yeah, uh, it, it's it's incredible that it's taken them this long to really have such a a proper competitor you know i mean playstation plus was kind of a competitor um or playstation now one of the two they had like two different online services those have kind of been competitors but you know i I, if they want to stay relevant in these console wars if that's how you choose to view them still it's still very much an important thing for them to come out with a product like this yeah service rather so i'm excited about it overall i I will say you know i'm gonna get this um do you know what i hate though about the premium tier sorry really quickly the final bullet point time limited game trials yeah give us fucking demos like congrats (laughs) asshole that was free in 2010 (laughs) i know i guess it's not much of a thing anymore but yeah, I was pretty shocked by that. Hey, for any new school gamers out there that listen to this podcast, it was required on Xbox Live, on the Xbox 360, that every single game had to have a demo. And that was one of the reasons I bought an Xbox 360 was so I could just play every demo that to my heart's content. And now we have zero yeah. of that. But I guess we get that if we pay eight, $18 a month on this new thing. I guess this is a little bit different than a demo. You know, it's an actual proper trial not necessarily a demo, you know, because obviously a demo might be a piece of specifically curated content. From what I understand, this will be pretty similar to how Steam offers, how like say Steam's return service works or the refund service where uh, if you play, as long as you play a game for two hours or under, maybe it's under two hours and it's within the first two weeks of purchase, you can get a full refund on it. But that said, I do love that, that about just a th- yeah. why isn't it ju- just a thing that the offer? Yeah, I have to pay for that now, basically, yeah. is what is what you're telling me. So great, yeah. great idea needs to be implemented. Definitely doesn't need to be tied behind a, a paywall there. Uh, so the games just want to, you know, it sounds like we're shitting on this whole thing. I'm going to buy this. Um, I will have it. I will play these games. They'll, at launch, they're including titles for the second and third tiers, uh, including God of War, Death Stranding, Marvel, uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11 and Returnal. Uh, so sort of all the games that everybody's been wanting to play or they've been on the fence about, they're going to have at launch. Um, I mean, Mortal Kombat 11 was the free downloadable game for PlayStation Plus, like, and I downloaded it already. So that's like a little bit of a weird, like they're playing it very safe with the games here where these are obviously universally like heavily marketed games big games that we've been wanting to play or heard about with like a lot of money behind them already. And it's easy to kind of launch with these. Um, so I get, so I get that, but you've also included these in like free downloads. People have already played these games probably. Um, so it's just a super safe launch here. It's like, they're not launching, uh, like ghost, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Like they're not, they're not launching like the hot new AAA game on this sort of thing. You know, the one that we're all going to be playing in the next couple months when this drops. You're still going to have to buy that for the full price. Yeah. And really quickly, I do want to correct something I said earlier. Uh, I was under the impression they didn't mention at all how often these games would be refreshed. But they have a statement here in the article portion 
or the written portion rather, where they say, we are closely working with our imaginative developers from the PlayStation Studios and third-party partners to include some of the best gaming experiences available with a library that will be regularly refreshed. More details to come when the games will have on our new PlayStation Plus service. So, you know, who knows what regularly refreshed means, but at least <laughs> I'm guessing that'll probably be maybe three, four times a quarter, something like that. Yeah, I I'm happy about it overall, but I do think it's like kind of a big there's like asterisks is everywhere in this article. I think it's going to be confusing marketing for a lot of people. There's three tiers now, uh, you know, and, and who knows what the games are. So we, we still have a lot of questions that are going to get answered in the coming months. And June is very close. Uh, we're two months away from June. So they got to answer these questions very quickly here because people are still trying to buy PlayStation 5s. Um, people are still debating whether they're going to buy the Xbox this summer or the PlayStation. And this is going to impact their decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, June's coming up quick. That's only two months away, right? So very, very interested to see how that goes. But Ultimately, you know, this is definitely a net good thing. Um, all right. And final little thing I wanted to touch on today because it's pretty funny and relevant. Uh, Elon Musk, I think it was just today or yesterday, was tweeting about speculating of starting his own social media platform on the grounds Man. of Twitter, not upholding, you know, First Amendment, free speech, all that good stuff, which, you know, Say what you will about Musk. He's at the very least an entertaining guy to follow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, and I, don't, I don't know what, well, I was going to say, I don't know what it is with business magnets or, you know, trying to start their own social media companies. Cause we have Trump that just started what truth social is what it's called. And not, not doing very well. Social media platform there. Um, so, I mean, I, I really don't think Musk will do anything like that. I think that's more just him you know, tweeting for the sake to tweet and maybe just trying to create some discord around free speech discourse around free speech, I guess. But I got a, what, uh, what do you think? I got a, I got a hot tip for anybody trying to start a social media site with the intention of being absolutely free speech oriented. It's not going to work. It never will work. It's like, you're going to start because it's already had censorship almost instantly happened with the, the Trump one too. It's like, you start a social media well, site. Was there censorship on that? What happened? Well, I okay. Called it too here's, here's the thing. You start you start a, a completely free, open social media site where people could say whatever they want. They yeah. immediately type the message and spam with a bot and say, I want to murder Elon Musk a million times in every single comment section. Well, we got to censor that guy. Hey, what the hell? You're censoring that guy. There you go. It's all right. We've already, we've already not solved the problem. Yeah, but or, or some guy makes an account. Um, and it's just he just spams the N word and the F word on, on a tweet every single day. And it shows up on people's timelines. People retweet it. It spams out. Um, people don't want to be on the platform. It's now it's now dead. You cannot have free speech on a platform like we have to face it. You, you just cannot. I mean, you can change who the moderators and the decision makers of what the content will ultimately be is because ultimately Twitter decides that. Right. But you you can't have absolute freedom of speech on, on platforms. It's just never going to work. There's too many trolls online. Yeah, that's true. That's my take for anybody trying to start your social media site. Please, please keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I think it is admirable to create something with that in mind. But ultimately, everything will need some bit of moderation. Right. You know, And you see that in everything, you know, you you can't go to a public forum about 
you know, some political issue and just start screaming slurs or things like that. <laughs> or, you know, if you go to, you know, to play devil's advocate, you know, if you go to a, if you went to a, you know, progressive rally and started screaming very conservative things, disrupting the environment, you know, you'd, you'd get taken out of there and censored in that regard. Yeah. And on the opposite end of that, if you went to a very conservative rally and started screaming extremely progressive things and liberal things, you'd, you'd probably end up getting pulled out of that rally for disrupting, you know, whatever's going on. So, you know, it, it, it's weird. It's like free speech is a thing that's guaranteed in the country, but it's not really able to be enforced per se. Hey man, the first amendment says that Congress will make no law abridging the right of free speech to the individual citizen. Okay. It doesn't say, they didn't say what that a Twitter company can't do. Yeah. They yeah. didn't say that Twitter can't ban That's true. Trump. Um, That's true. And, That's and, in, true. and you can't extend the wording there to, to talk about private companies. Congress didn't make a law. The First Amendment was not violated. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to, too, is sort of like an understanding of how, how that amendment really functions and a little bit of the nuance behind it. But, um, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I, there's going to be a lot of social media sites that are going to be started in the next few years as a reaction and a misunderstanding. Uh, and they're going to come up and they're going to go down really quickly um, because of the, that, that misunderstanding. So that's what we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, things go over the years with that. And I I do not have a feeling. I, I don't suspect Elon will be starting any social media platforms soon, but we'll see. <laughs> Hope he does. Uh, all right, everyone. I, I think that just about wraps up our first little uh episode of whatever we're going to end up calling this really to be decided on that exactly. But, uh, thank you all for joining. You know, I, we, we have a lot of, we're, we're in a bit of a tran transition process with the podcast, I think as far as what the content's going to look like going forward. Um, but what, you know, we can guarantee you is there will always be regular content, you know, barring circumstances, exceptional circumstances released every week, you know, so thank you all for always, you know, tuning in and listening and believing in TFP and giving us, you know, feedback, both positive and constructive, um, positive, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it means a lot because Lucas and I do really care about what we do. And I, I don't want you to, you know, when, when, when Lucas and I were talking about this last night, you know, doing things differently with the pod, we even brought up the idea, is this just us being lazy? And it's not us being lazy. It's us preventing burnout and being able to continue to trying do, to stay give sane, you this, give you this service and give you this product and do it in a positive manner and a sane manner, um, which I think is a net positive overall. And I think it's going to, I think the, the direction we want to go with things is going to have a net positive on the podcast overall, you know, help grow the community overall. And I'm excited for it all. And I hope you are all as well. And I hope you all will stay on the journey with us. You know, really only one episode a month is changing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's right. not that, right. not that drastic, but, um, it is, I guess a bit of a, a mindset shift with yeah. Lucas and I. Yeah. yeah. Make sure to, uh, you know, definitely vote on the episodes that we'll be doing, you know, part of the, you know, we're only doing the one game episode a month moving forward, but we are going to allow you to vote on it. Like we said in the beginning. So we want, we want to hear what you want us to play. We're going to play them. Um, you know, we'll, we'll throw polls up pretty soon, probably next week after this episode is launched. Um, so people could have a chance to join the Discord and start voting on on what we're going to be playing. So we're excited to do that. Yeah, keep a lookout for that. We'll have to get a new uh, text channel in there or something. Or I don't know if... 
We can use game suggestions. Poll functions. I'm not sure how. We, we we'll do, figure it out. We do. Oh, we do have a game suggestions channel. Yeah. That's right. But I look forward to it all. And again, everyone, if you haven't already, join our Discord. You can join it at, uh, you can find the invite link at thanksforplaying.live. As well, you can find it on any of our socials, which are at TFP Podcast. That's at TFP Podcast with an S at the end. You can find the invite uh, link in the Discord there. And as well, you know, if you want to shoot us an email, thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. I'll personally send you the invite link to the discord. So come and hang out. It's a good time. And we talk about all things game, really whatever is happening, pop culture wise. Um, whatever we talk about in the podcast is, you know, fair game to talk about as well. So come hang out. It's a good time. We'd love to have you there. Uh, if you want to hang out with your good buddy, Matt on the internet and with our good buddy, Elon, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, good idea, Matthew. Yeah, if you want to find me online, you can find me on Instagram at GoodIdeaLucas. Of course, message me on on the Discord. Uh, it's probably the best way to get a hold of me and um, talk to me about video games. Talk to me about um, you know movies, Magic the Gathering, the new set, Cobra Kai, whatever. Whatever. I love that. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibbity bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Royal Call Bunch and Red Circle 